it. Played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three. Yes! One-point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three. Bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven-point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Simmers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Are you sick and tired of paying large amounts of fees on your ticket purchases? Look no further than TickPick.com. TickPick is a one-stop shop for all your entertainment ticket needs. NBA games, NFL games, NCAA basketball games. It doesn't matter. They've got it. I've purchased concert tickets, college football tickets, NFL tickets on there. They truly are the best one-stop shop for all your entertainment needs. And with no fees like Ticketmaster and Subhub, you are getting the best guaranteed price on the market. And for a limited time, check out TickPick.com slash SixManPod or under SixManPod when you go to check out for $20 off your first purchase that's twenty dollars off your first ticket purchase at tickpick.com using promo code six man pod and now back to the show hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the six man podcast joined by a first time guest and probably one of four detroit pistons fans i know connor uh malali is that how you say your last name malali malali close enough Almost. Dude, no, no one gets it right on the first try. Too many L's, you know? Just like the Pistons. Too many L's. What? Uh, let, let, let's talk about this. Here, what the hell? <laughs> Already just being bullied, dude. Can't take this. <laughs> let's talk about this Pistons team, man. Let's they, do it. Let's they chat. Are, they're fascinating. Um, everybody said Jeremy Grant was going to get traded, and he stayed in Detroit. Uh, their big acquisition was Kelly Olynyk and Marvin Bagley, if you want to call it that. Um, and then they got this kid named Cade Cunningham, who some yeah, people he's, might he's say is right. a good player. You know? He's all right. So I want to start with this. Marvin Bagley did not work in Sacramento. Um, and he's played a few games here for the Pistons. What have you thought of uh, the way he's played so far? And do you see any future on the team for him? Or is he is he just is he just going to be there, basically? So I think at this point in the Pistons' re- restoration is what we're calling it. We're not rebuilding. We're restoring. Um, at this point, we're rolling dice. And obviously, Marvin was did not live up to his hype as the number two pick in Sacramento. But – it's a roll of the dice. Um, I've been pretty happy with what I've seen from him so far in Detroit. You know, he's shown that he's a guy who can score. We've needed someone who can get down low and like our guards can throw the ball to to dunk. And he's done that a few times pretty well. Um, Even if he doesn't pan out to be, you know, as talented as you would hope from a number two pick, we gave up almost nothing to get him. We gave up two second round picks. So definitely a low, um, low opportunity cost for a pretty high upside. I'm excited to see, how he develops after he comes back from injury and has 
more than you know a few games with the team under his belt. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. That, you know, similar to the Pacers getting a player from Sacramento who hasn't panned out too much there. Yeah, Pistons and Pacers. Pistons yeah. and Pacers are very different teams right now. <clears throat> well, you know. I look at it this way. We both fleeced the Kings uh, at the trade deadline. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that is one thing we have in common. Um, Pacers obviously have their, like, five of their top six guys on injured reserve. So that's always cool because um, that's the Pacers' MO at this point. But with the Pistons, this team is literally, like, Every time I play like an association in 2K, I, I get like, I start with a team who has like two stars. I see if I can win a chip. And if I can't, I trade the stars off and acquire every first round pick I can. And that's kind of what this Pistons team feels like is like that first year where I have like six first round picks all on the same team. And I'm just trying to make it work. This, yeah, just... the, the question I have here is, how, how long do you think it's going to be before it works? Um, I genuinely think that with the way that we were playing over the last two weeks, I will be disappointed if we're not in the play-in tournament next year, and I, I'm hopeful that we can make a run at the eighth seed. Um, I'm hopeful that within three seasons, so maybe by 2025, we'll be winning a playoff series. I think that Kate is that good. I think that and obviously a lot depends on how we do in the draft this year. But at this point, we're in the same spot we were last year where we're going to have the best odds. If we can get another top three pick, I think that we're going to be in very, very good shape. But with all of the um, – with hopefully another good pick, with the development that we've seen from, from Killian and from Isaiah in the last couple of weeks, as well as – I was going to say something here, trying to remember what that is. Oh, as well as, like, the ton of cap room that we have this offseason – going to be really disappointed if we don't make a good run at the eight seed next year. I look at the situation you guys are in with Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. um, who's always been kind of like a NBA fundamentalist kind of coach. Um, very conservative and very um, traditional in his play styles and defenses. And then you actually snatched one of the Pacers' top assistants in Bill Bano, uh, who I've been a big fan of. Um, my, my big thing is, is, do you think Dwayne Casey is the coach that can take Detroit to that eight seed? Or is there a coaching change in the future? Because if it was me, like if I had a crystal ball and I got to control the team for a day, I would have fired Dwayne Casey and paid Kenny Atkinson some obscene amount of money to come coach Detroit. So I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't really know much about what makes a good NBA coach. I haven't been following the league long enough to really say that. What I can say is that last season, Dwayne Casey took the number 16 pick in Isaiah Stewart and the number 19 pick in Sadiq Bay, who no one thought was going to be any good and got them both onto the all-rookie team. Sadiq, at number 19 pick, was on the all-rookie first team. So at the very least right now, he knows what he's doing with getting our young guys into good fighting shape and developing them as solid players from you know where they are. Because honestly, right now, Killian, Isaiah, they need a lot of work. 
and they're making improvements, but they need a lot of work. Um, one thing that I will say for Casey is that down the stretch of these games, uh, we've had a couple of close games tonight. We lost a one possession game to the Wizards on Sunday night. We won um, an over kind of an overtime thriller against Charlotte that really came down to the wire. And in all of those games, he let the young core, um, the four guys, Cade. Obviously, Cade's going to be finishing games. Cade's a stud. He's shown that he can do it in the clutch. Um, but he's been letting Cade, along with Isaiah, Sadiq, and Killian, finish games and putting the trust in those guys who maybe haven't proved themselves. And so by, by putting that trust in them, I'm, I'm really confident that he can help them jump to the next level. Whether or not he's the coach that tries we try to win a championship with I don't know that to be honest with you but maybe we see what we saw in his Toronto days where he took a team that wasn't all that good to a top seed and only lost to LeBron James yeah I think that's kind of where I sit I see a lot of Detroit Pistons fans on Twitter calling for his job and I like I I like having the staff that you have, you have a lot of modern minds with a fundamentalist. I think it allows you to really change the way you play. Um, you know, the only reason why I bring in Kenny Atkinson is strictly development purposes. Um, Which is what's important right now. Absolutely. But I think one of the big things that this team needs to do is choose a direction. You have a couple of players on here who are like in their 30s, kind of don't make a whole lot of sense. You have like Rodney Magruder, who's on the team. He doesn't play a lot. Mm-hmm. You have Jeremy Grant, who's a stud, but like doesn't really fit your timeline. He's 27. You have Olenek, who's 30, who you acquired in a trade, uh, you know. I think they just need to pick a direction. And I, and that's one thing I will say, like, finally, the Pacers picked their direction. They said, we're going to try this Miles Turner pairing with Brogdon and Halliburton instead of seeing, you know, Sabonis with a different guard or whatever they would have yep. ended up doing, trading Turner. And so I wonder what that direction is going to be. Now, of course, a lot of that's going to be determined by their draft pick this year. Mm-hmm. Um I want to – top three pick, let's just call it that. I, I think I think that's probably fair. You know, I think they have the third highest lottery odds as of today. Uh, they've got they've got the best because bottom three teams all have the same odds. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Um, so so they yeah, all, right now we just need to not catch up to the Thunder, who are four games ahead of us, and the Pacers, which, who are six games ahead of us, dude. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that you have to worry about that, but I don't think we're in danger of that until Cade, we were cursed, you know, until Cade, we literally never moved up in the lottery. Well, you know, I mean, if you stay at three, I think there's a lot of good players at the top of this draft. Um, This draft, this draft reminds me a lot of like the Anthony Edwards draft year Mm -hmm. where it's like, there's just a bunch of solid dudes um, like one through eight. They're all like pretty good, but there's no like Zion or Jaw in this draft. Like, there's no one who I'm like trade every asset we own to get to right. this. 
This podcast is sponsored in part by Fanatics. Fanatics offers the broadest assortment of fan merchandise and memorabilia worldwide from all your favorite leagues and sports, not just the NBA and NCAA like we talk about here, but also the NFL. And I'm in the market for some new Packers gear myself, and with Fanatics selection, I can choose between jerseys, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, even face masks, tailgating equipment, and stuff for my pets. And I'm leaning towards getting a nice sweatshirt myself. You can also shop MLB, NHL, NASCAR, and all your favorite soccer leagues around the globe. Order now and get free U.S. shipping on any and all orders over $29 using code 29SHIP. Again, that's 29SHIP29SHIP. And now, back to the podcast. Which, by the way... You see Jaw play last night? Dude, Jaw is something special, man. I swear. That was um, incredible. Okay, um, so according but in terms of no, I'll go say, ahead. I say according to Tankathon, Detroit and Orlando are tied for the highest lottery odds. Um, okay. Rockets are Rockets in there too? Yeah, the, no. So apparently the team that has the third highest has slightly worse odds. So Detroit's average pick is 3.7. Orlando's is 3.9. And Oakland, Houston's is 4.1. Okay. Um, given that, given that, um, I would say that there's really like two tiers of players I would like be looking at in the first round. There's the Chet Holgram, Jabari Smith, Paul Benchero tier. And then there's like yep. Jay Nivey, Keegan Murray, Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, and AJ Griffin which is like a set of three and a set of five. <clears throat> you have Isaiah Stewart, 6'10", has played some solid minutes. He's developed really well um, so far. A little bit of a hothead, kind of struggles, you know, picking up technical fouls randomly here and there, gets in fights with LeBron apparently. Okay, listen, if you want to talk <laughs> about that, we can talk about that. LeBron is lucky. LeBron started that. LeBron <laughs> tried to mess up our young guy, and he's lucky that 20 people got in between them. Otherwise, he would have been in the hospital. <laughs> I, I love the – I love this uh, – I, lo- I honestly really love Isaiah Stewart. I think his passion for the game and, like, just the way he plays is really entertaining. Um, yeah, really. Averaging eight points, eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. Playing about 25-ish minutes a game. Um you know, if he can take that next jump, you know, get to like 12 and 12 and play 30 minutes a game. Yep. Then I think you're looking at a potential opportunity for Detroit to trade back in this draft um, to get more assets. Now that could be like, for example, hypothetically speaking, Detroit gets a second overall pick. Yep. Uh, Indiana will have pick probably like six, Cleveland pick at 21, and then the Rockets second round pick, which will be like pick 30, 33-ish. To me, if the Pacers say, we'll give you 6, 20, and 33 to move up to go get Jabari Smith, go get Paulo Bancho, whoever's available, Detroit would have to look at them um, because I think for, for this team right now is they need to be throwing darts at a dartboard. Um, and, you know, thinking back to the draft in 2020, Troy has shown that he's willing to take those low first-round non-lottery picks, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, and turn them into something really special. Right. And, you know, Sadiq is another another player who 
I think people just shit on for no reason, probably because he's from Villanova and Villanova players, for whatever reason, tend to struggle in the NBA. Um, but, you know, Sadiq at 6'7", 215, I thought was not going to have any issues playing at the next level. Um, so, you official- know, he, he had a really bad start to his season. For our first 20 or 30 games, he was just really struggling to score. Um, I think a lot of that, though, was he didn't really hit a rookie wall last year. He didn't mm-hmm. really ever, like, have a wall he hit. And then this year, I think he hit it a little later. Um, and part of that's just, like, probably not getting back into the swing of things quick enough because, you know, the timing in between seasons this year was so weird and, like, everything. You throw all of this to the wind. I think so the first two I, years of his career, you kind of throw out. If he can get to 45%, from you know, from the field, you have a stupendous player. He he like, is going to be very good for us. Um, already playing thirty minutes a game, probably about thirty five if I actually looked. Um, but he's, you know, shooting splits are a little down this year, but he's also taking more shots. So really, what do you? But but to me, it's his defense. It's his ability to rebound at the guard position, like. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that really stick out about Sadiq Bey to me. I think we have like a potential, almost like a Kyle Lowry type with him, where he's like going to be the vocal leader of a team someday. I'm um, going to be kind of the guy dragging his team through things. So you have this young core, you have a team that, you know, I think everybody is pretty much 20 or 30. Like there's no one between basically. Um, Do you think that, do you you think that like having this $40 million in cap space or whatever crazy amount of this, um, do you think they go get like some other aging star or do they pawn off their piece that they have that's a hot commodity. Say like Jeremy Grant to Portland for pick seven, you know, something I've been hearing a lot of. Like Portland's going to need somebody to keep Damian Lillard happy. Jeremy Grant would do it, I would think. Um, or do you keep him around and shop around the trade deadline, or do you do so, what the Rockets do and just hold on your assets and tell them not to play? <laughs> so here's the thing. You you mentioned earlier that you don't think that the Pistons have a direction, and I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on that. Um, I think that something that Pistons management has made clear is that in a time like this, when you're rebuilding, and the objective is to develop your young guys, you can't do that without help. You can't do that without veteran help. Um, basically, I think that you need one or two, a couple of veteran guys like Jeremy Grant, like Kelly Olenek in his last couple of games has really stepped up to kind of show the young guys how it's done and how to win because without them, you won't actually be able to win games. And so I think that holding on to Jeremy Grant, at least for the time being, until, you know, until he walks in a you know free agent deal. But I think in three or four years, we'll be ready to make some deep playoff runs. And by then he'll be 31, 32. And that's that's still an okay place to be. Yeah, you know, Jeremy Grant, I, I think the ceiling for him, he's probably hit it. Um, like I think this 18 to 20 point a game player is probably mm-hmm. about his max. I don't know how much more growth he has. Um, I don't think that he has much more growth when he's playing with other good players. He was doing better than that last year when 
He was just surrounded by rookies who hadn't found their footing. Now that Cade is on the team and is the primary dominant ball handler, I think that Jeremy definitely takes a step back, but is still going to fill an important role. Yeah, it's crazy that Cade weighs more than Jeremy Grant to me. Does like, he really? I, I think Cade weighed in at like 225, roughly. And Jeremy Grant, I think, is like 210, 208, something like that. Um, I guess that's going to wrap this up with my last question. What's mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham's ceiling? MVP. You know, he I, is he is incredible. Um, I think that he should be the clear front runner for rookie of the year. The fact that Evan Mobley is behind him is a travesty. Um, Cade may not be as statistically good as he could be, but we also forget that he missed the first, I think, four or five games of the season with an injury, and he also didn't get training camp. And so the first few games he was just horribly inefficient and um, – yeah, really inefficient, didn't score very much. Once he's found his footing and once he's like he, – he's just so good. You, you just have to watch him when the games come down to the wire. In overtime against the Wizards a couple months ago, he took all four shots that the Pistons took in overtime, made them all. He's incredible. Um, I think that something that also stands out to me is that he's not a Luka-type player where, you know, Luka will – is obviously an amazing offensive talent but then just doesn't give a shit on defense. Last night, Cade guarded, or sorry, Sunday night, Cade guarded LaMelo Ball for about 15 seconds one-on-one, made LaMelo Ball travel. LaMelo couldn't get by him, couldn't get a pass off. Cade works his ass off on both sides of the floor. And I think that the thing that I like most about him is that he really takes responsibility. When the Pistons win, he, you know, praises his teammates, but when they lose and he makes mistakes, he owns up to it. He doesn't try to pass it off as, bad officiating or bad coaching you know he owns up to i made a mistake on the court you know i should have made a better read i should have made a better pass and so he's already showing the mindset of a veteran who's going to really take responsibility he hustles on both ends of the floor and he makes his shots when it counts so i think that he could be the real deal i think that he could lead this team to MVP, you know, I think that he could lead this team to the finals down the road, and I'm really excited to see where he goes. See, I think the NBA does their uh, rookie voting wrong anyway. I, I I would not give the award to Cade at the moment. I would actually probably lean Scotty Barnes, hence the Scotty Barnes jersey. Um and the, re- the, the big reason why is I look at – I also – one of the things I look at is, like, how much do you mean to your team or, like, what how much of a ceiling raiser are you for your team as well? And, like, I think if you take Scotty Barnes away from the Raptors, like, they're probably a bottom five team in the East again. And if you take Cade away from Detroit, they're still probably tied with Orlando over the worst record in the East. Um, so because of that, that, that's my only big thing. I would say Evan Mobley has been, like, just kind of lucky in where he was drafted. Um, Cleveland was rising when he was drafted at number two overall, that kind of thing. So I lean that, like, I would probably say that, uh, I would go in order like 
you I I would like I said I'd go Scotty Barnes then Cade then Mobley probably and like Mobley at three only because like he's only played 53 games like he's had some moments where it's like mm-hmm. yeah, you've been very good yeah um don't don't get me wrong Mobley's a stud but he's not Cade no and I think you know a lot of people were like yeah, at the beginning of the year when Cade was out, because, you know, he's only played 47 games out of their 61 or 62, whatever it is. So people were clamoring. They were like, why, why do we get draft Cade number one overall when Evan Mobley's been this stud? Well, first off, you already had a talented center. And if, you know, teams would just learn from the Pacers' mistakes, they would know that two centers doesn't win in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you look at the Miles Turner and Sabonis pairing that we've had for years, and really the last successful two-center pairing was, like, the Spurs in 2014, but they also had this player named Kawhi Leonard who was on that team, too. So it's like – Turns out Kawhi Leonard's good at basketball. Yeah, almost like Kawhi Leonard was good at basketball. Are you looking for a healthy alternative to your daily snacking? Look no further than – Built Bar, go to builtbar.com, type in promo code sixth man pod uh, to get 15% off your first order. Built Bar, 100% covered in chocolate, some of the best protein bars around, and some of the healthiest treats I've ever had. Really love peanut butter brownie and mint coconut chocolate chip. Both are phenomenal, both have tons of protein and are a really good alternative for your daily snacks. Check them out, builtbar.com slash sixmanpod. I don't know if I can say he's going to be MVP, but I think Cade Ceiling's a top 20 player, um, probably top 10 player, because, you know, all these superstars that I'm thinking of now are aging out, except for LeBron James, who's going to play till he's 105, apparently. LeBron James has got two seasons left, maybe three. Oh, that's hot a hot take. take. That's a really hot take. I mean, he kind of came out and said that, right? Like, he kind of came out and said, I'm going to play my last season with my son. My son is getting drafted in 2024. Yeah, but could LeBron play till he's 50? Probably. Yeah, probably. Probably, if like, he wanted to. He is like a, this, like, specimen, you know? Yeah, he's a cyborg. <clears throat> my final question because I have to piss off the historical Pistons fan you are. Why did the Pistons not get any respect from NBA historians? Detroit versus everybody, man. They see us and they see, you know, bad boys, kind of assholes. Michael Jordan didn't like them. To be honest, I, I don't really know. Like, should Ben Wallace have been in the top 75? Absolutely, 100% four-time defensive player of the year and winning the title the way that they did was unbelievable. But, you know, I would even argue that like a player like Chauncey Billups just solely based on his impact on basketball could have been Mm -hmm. in the top 75. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. I adore Russell Westbrook. I adore Damian Lillard, but like when you're looking at like players and what they've done for the game, I don't look at those two the same way I look at everybody like from the 04 to mm-hmm. 08 era where it's like, dude, Detroit had that team was no, dominant. They were they were dominant, but they weren't like nobody was first team all pro, no one was second nope. team all pro or all NBA, whatever. 
Like they were all like, uh, they were the last team where you literally had a roster of like B plus players, like mm-hmm. six B plus players and won a title. They just played like, good team basketball. Yeah, hundred percent. Zach, uh, do you know? Do you know what the nickname for that era of the Pistons was? The we cost the Pacers a title in two thousand four Pistons. <laughs> Those Pistons were known as going to work. You know, they weren't the bad boys. They weren't flashy. They weren't getting into fights on the court. They just put their heads down, played good, clean. Okay, maybe that's not true. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> they put their heads down. They played good team basketball. They were flashy, but they got the job done. Yeah, I, I, I remember watching the Malice of the Palace game as a kid with my dad. We were watching on TV. And I was just like, Dad, I think we're in trouble. And he goes, yeah, they're not winning a title this year. And I was like, yeah, because, like, after that, you know, Ron gets suspended the whole year. Um, Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal both get 30 game suspensions, and that shot yeah. the season in the foot, you know. And uh, there's a the really funny – well, it's not funny, but there's a really good documentary about the Mouse at the Palace um, and the Untold Sports Series Netflix series. That's really good. Um Really glad they tore down, tore down the palace, though. I've heard that the new uh, arena is really nice. Uh, the, the new arena is nice. I've been to a game there, but the palace was iconic. It's too you know, they could have kept gone. the palace name, you know. But, kept uh, having concerts there or something. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's like the old RCA Dome for Indianapolis, like, once you build Lucas Oil Stadium, you can't keep that thing around. Or, you know, Market Square Arena, what's now Gamebridge Fieldhouse after their fourth name change in 20 years, you know, like, I, I, I think that it, it, here's another reason why I don't think Detroit gets the respect they deserve. Who gives a shit about Detroit sports? Like, honestly, you think about, like, all the main brands in Detroit, it's the Pistons, the Tigers, the Red Wings, and... Say it. The, the Lions, right. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to remember who they were yeah. for a minute there. Um, out of those in their respective sport, I would venture to guess the Red Wings are the most popular. Um, you, would, you would be surprised. Detroit loves the Lions. <laughs> Detroit loves the Lions. Hey, I don't get it. Would... Like, I, I follow the Lions, but I don't watch them every Sunday. Everyone loves the Lions. Do you they know were, that during the Super Bowl, Detroit was the second most, like, the, the market with the second most viewers in the country behind Cincinnati? Because hey, they love Matthew Stafford. Detroit be fair, loves the Lions. It was not just Matthew Stafford, but it was also Eminem. Just remember that. Okay, fair. But <laughs> mostly Matthew Stafford. I, I, I find it funny – uh, like my mom always refers to the Chicago Cubs as the lovable losers. I'm like, mom, no. the Cubs have won a title. The yeah. Lions are the lovable losers. Like, because I don't think there's ever been like, like I mean, I'm sure there probably has been, but like, I can't really think of any like shitty human being who's played for the Detroit Lions. Like, it's always just been like a bunch of like decent humans who can't win at football because their ownership sucks and. Uh, you know, you look at Barry Sanders, who I actually did a book report about in fourth mm-hmm. grade. And then you look at Calvin Johnson, who is still owed like $3.5 million by the Ford family. Um, 
And then, of course, Matthew Stafford, who is, I would say, a top 10 quarterback of all time, which is a really hot take, apparently. Um, hot take. Hall of Famer. I don't know about top 10, but Hall of no, Famer. No, 100% of the top 10. you got to remember who he was playing with in Detroit. Like, I get it. He had Calvin Johnson, but you cannot win a game. You cannot win playoff games with just a receiver and a QB. Like, no, nah, you can't. And, you know, Detroit tried that for years, but, you know, um, yeah, man, I I just find it funny. It's like Detroit's always kind of forgotten about. Like whenever I do my – I always do like these little random brain tests. Like can I write yep. Can I write out every uh, team in the MLB? Like can I just like write out team in their – I always forget the Tigers. Like can I write out every NFL team? It's always like the Lions are like one of the last three teams or whatever. Yeah, dude. And, of course, I remember the Pistons because I own a Grant Hill jersey. It's just hanging up in my closet, you know. Um, but – for me, it's like I, I just feel like the NBA media just forgets Detroit's exist existence, um, and I, and I'm worried that that could play into like Cade wanting to leave uh, down the road. Which he went to Oklahoma State. I wouldn't think he'd want to just like up and zip, but like so the here's the thing: Cade has bought in to Detroit to Detroit culture. Uh, I can't speak to it very much to be honest with you, but. People in the know who like live in Detroit, I see them talking about like he he loves it there. He embraces the people, he embraces the culture, and he's really stepped up and been a leader in a place where you know another number one pick like Zion would hate to be. So, you know, ultimately, if that's what happens, that's what happens. But I'm optimistic. I think that I think he's our guy. You know what? We might as well talk about Zion. Let's get this elephant out of the way. Oh, dude, I, I don't know if I have time to talk about Zion tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, this, topic for another time. Zion Williamson, everybody. Um, well, a team player. Thanks, Connor, for uh, hanging out with me for about the last half hour and chatting about the Pistons. And Thank you, Zach. Always love to talk about my favorite team in sports. Hey, I, I enjoy watching them play. I, I catch them every once in a while and we'll watch their reruns because uh, I just find it fascinating how Dwayne Casey, like, is 170 years old coaching these 20-year-olds, you know. So, um, but as always, thanks for listening to the Six Man Podcast, wherever you're listening. And thanks, Connor, and uh, our many guests who've been coming on recently for doing what you do best, and that's being a fan. Thank you, Zach, and go Pistons.